Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, folks, into Terps on the T. You have barely, you don't even know my name. Folks in D.C. would know my name, but you certainly know the name of Fred Funk, uh, who had an illustrious career on the PGA Tour uh, and now has decided to come to the dark side. Uh, um, I I mean, what are you thinking wanting to do a, a podcast? Well, mainly because of you. You're so good at this. And uh, I think we'd be a great team. I just love the idea of just trying to talk about current events and the, if we're going to stay on the golf theme, whenever we're talking about golf, just uh, the opportunity to bring in different personalities and talk to them and, and uh, kind of stay current. I think we're going to try to do it uh, on Tuesdays a lot. So we'll summarize what happened the week before and, and uh, what's going to happen the next week. It's kind of pretty neat to start our first podcast right after the players championship was really exciting and uh, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I know you're a lot of fun and usually I'm got the gift for gab a little bit. You and, think? Uh, and I, yeah. And I have a, you know, you have a lot of connections in this world and I have connections in, in the golf world. And I think it'd be really interesting having some, uh, you know, it's not about you and me. It's about things that are going on and uh, you know, just bringing different perspectives. I was like, today we're going to have Steve Sands. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome announcer with golf channel and he's just a super great guy another terp grew up in maryland he's he's awesome and uh that's a great way to start off and then i i think even going to where a lot of times we'll be talking about uh guys and how good they are on the pga tour but i have an example that i we haven't even talked about but my son is one of those guys trying to get out on the tour right taylor he has a lot of talent like a lot of these kids that have enormous talent right now but they have to get to the corn ferry somehow. And then with this COVID that is that's happened and we're still in, they had a rollover season. So there's no Q school. The guys that were exempt last year are still playing for 2021 and the guys out are still out. So Taylor is one of those guys to, to talk to and different guys in that world where they're tell their perspective, of how difficult it is to get out there and what it's like to go out on the road. You try a qualifier when you're chasing it and you miss, and then you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere to practice and, and stay sharp. And then you wait for the next week and it, it's unbelievable. So there's a lot of interesting conversations we could have with people that are not even at the top level yet. They're just trying to get there. Right. Um, so folks who are listening in, uh, and this is obviously going to go across the country and, and, and all over the place, but we are two local kids one from Tacoma Park, Maryland, and Fred Funk, and one from Silver Spring, Maryland, and Chick Hernandez. And I actually moved to Tacoma Park right there on Ray Road, uh, just across from Tacoma Junior High. Um, uh, so we're two local guys. I've known you. I've, I was trying to think about it. I was like, it's now, I think, three decades that I've known you. That's kind of frightening when I think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah that's, it is. Absolutely. Um, so... I will tell. I'll tell a story later on, uh, whether it's this podcast or not, about the, the time that I pissed off Fred Funk. Uh, he doesn't remember at this point, but he will when I bring it up. Um, uh, so, yeah, as you mentioned, Steve Sands from uh, NBC and the Golf Channel will join us. Um, uh, great guy, uh, Woodward High School, 
as opposed to I went to Blair. You went to High Point. Um, uh, we'll get into. We should uh, call it High Joint. <laughs> um, so the show's called Terps on the Tee, and obviously we'll have a little Maryland bent to it. But as you just mentioned, coming off the Players Championship, which you are a champion, and folks who uh, get emails from Fred will know that he is a Players Champion. Um, what you know that was that performance from from Justin Thomas, um, and I'm I was sitting back and looking at it. I mean, his final round, he had 34 shots, 34 putts. It's hard to do. That's hard to do on the PGA Tour and come out a winner. But he was so he was hitting the ball so well. Yeah, it really was. I think the the last hole he missed by six inches at, with a wedge mm-hmm. gap way. I don't know what he hit in, but it was a sand wedge. Five would he hit and or hit, and uh, I think he would have had twenty eight greens in a row in regulation, and that, that's ridiculous. But yeah, those numbers, the stats. Um, like that are ridiculous when you have that many putts and you just know your ball striking is that good when you not only win, but you, what do you shoot? 68 the last day, yeah, 64 the day before. So 12 under on the weekend at the player's championship or any major or big tournament with a tough golf course that usually gets the job done. Yeah. It's the, that uh, 132 over the weekend ties the uh, closing 36 record set by Tim Clark back in 2010. So, what he gets this victory, and all the numbers are it's 14th career win before the age of 28. He joins Johnny Miller, Tiger Woods, and a guy named Jack in that category. Is the only four guys to do it. But you won the Players' Championship. How did it change? And I, re- I don't think that hat survived because you certainly threw it very hard into the uh, into the, <laughs> the green. Um, it actually has a grass stain on the it. It should. Why wouldn't it? It, it has to. I still have it. Oh, it's great. So how did that change uh, the world of Fred Funk? Well, it was a weird time in my life. I was playing really good golf. The best golf of my life was age 44 to 52, and I was almost 49 when I won. But uh, at that time, I was pretty ready mentally and physically to to head to the Champions Tour. Wow. And then I win the tournament. You get your five-year exemption. uh, Like, oh, now what am I going to do? So I didn't know uh, how I was going to – worked my way to the champions tour and I played both tours there for a while and for about three years. And actually I won Cancun, uh, at age 50, yeah. uh, their inaugural event, which gave me another year exemption tacked on. So I was exempt till age 54. And I was like, geez, you know, now I have this opportunity that I didn't really need. I was pretty excited about going to the champions <laughs> tour, but, um, I did, Play, and it's hard because you see guys now that are that, like Jim Furyk and Steve Stricker and uh, Jerry Kelly and guys like that are still competitive on the regular tour. Lee Westwood. And, well, Lee Westwood is about to – well, he's 47, yeah. 48. But Phil Mickelson, he came out and won his first two. And Furyk won his first one right out of the gate. So uh, they can still compete. And why wouldn't you want to play the champion or the uh, regular tour when you have six to eight Last week, $15 million purses, and we're playing for $1.8 and $2 million on most of our weeks. So if you're competitive, you stay out, and that's why I stayed out for a while. But uh, the Champions Tour is phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, as far as changing, I think it validated a little bit of my career, I, I would say. I was always a good, consistent player, never won uh, the big, big primary tournaments like uh, the Memorial, the Bay Hills. Um uh, any of the WGCs that had just started, but the players was that was a biggie. 
and um, that that made me really proud. And it was also my hometown. I moved yeah. to Ponte Vedra in, in 1991, and I was the homeboy uh, that week. It was kind of fun to, but it was nerve wracking coming down the stretch. I mean, talking about pressure it was ridiculous. Well, yeah, um, you know, and we've been through this in Maryland when you were playing in the Kemper Open, the pressure to play in front of a hometown folks. So uh, listeners will never, I mean, some will actually play Sawgrass. That's great. I've yet to do that. It's on my bucket list. Um, but take me through, you're on the tee on a Sunday on 17, and you see that back right pin. What what goes through one's body? Uh, yeah, it's funny, that, that whole when you're playing it for fun, it's not a problem at all. You just go out there and say, all right, that's a big target. I can hit it. Right. Uh, but you start adding the pressure of the tournament and then different elements. This year, you could see the difficulty of the green was firm all four days. And that back pin on the first day, guys were landing up top and just going over the back. Yeah. And a lot of times you need to land it there just to hold the backspin from going off the front. Mm. So it played really difficult. With that right pin, it's always a pin that you don't usually take on. Uh, there's not any margin of error. And what you do at a lot of the holes at, at the TPC, they're designed where you can get to a lot of pins by using the slope. And you have that big slope to the left of it, and you try to catch that slope and feed it down. Um, that particular week, um, I, we were finishing on a Monday in 30-plus mile-an-hour winds coming in <laughs> out of the left. And I thought I was – I asked Mark, my caddy, I says, uh, man, I'm thinking five iron. And he goes, what? Five iron? I go – or he goes, there's no way you're going to hit five iron. I says, what made you think that? I said, I never played it in 35 mile hour winds before. We ended up hitting a seven, and I and normally it's a sand wedge or a wedge. Right. How long was it playing that day? Uh, probably about 124 yards to the wow. pin, 28 wow. yards. Wow. And the wind was just. I just needed to get something down. <laughs> and there was three groups on the tee when I got there and two of the three and each group ahead of me hit it in and oh. with Adam Scott and Vaughn Taylor oh. and they both hit it in the water. And then I'm up and I'm like, sheesh, All right. <laughs> but I got it on the green and then I three putted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I can't imagine, you know, I I need to wear a diaper on that shot. Basically that would be my, if I had well, some, when you're on the champions tour, we do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm sponsored by Depends, you know. Oh, good. That's nice. Yeah. You know what? That's yeah. a good contract because you yeah, I wear them outside my pants. So people oh, love. that's yeah. You've worn enough things outside your pants. Thank you with the skirt. <laughs> um, that's some. Boy, did that's, we go the wrong direction? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the beauty of uh, Terps oh, on the tee because that's me on the tee box. By the way, I, we off going. You know who made me feel really good on Sunday was Brendan Todd on seventeen. Uh, I mean, a just a pure shank. So is that he almost made that other island? Is that playable over there? No, no, it's all covered with flowers. But I think that camera guy thought he would never be hit by a ball from right. 17. Maybe uh, from 16, but not from 17. Yeah, that was something else. And he laughed the minute he hit it. Yeah, I you have to, right? And started laughing. You have and, to. Uh, that was a great reaction to a shank. I mean, that was normally I, that's pretty devastating. <laughs> yeah. Um, have, you, have you ever had the shanks? No, I, I have shanks. Yes, a couple shots, but never had to. Don't never say had to. that word. Don't, I know that that's this that's is nope. taboo. Don't we do we do, do we do different things here on Terps on the T. Um, it's a pitch out. <laughs> I I will get them on the range, and they don't bother me. I just you know I I don't think 
I can't remember the last time I really shanked one, but I, I, I get them on a range sometimes, and I just start, I laugh because I start looking up, and all the rest of the guys on the range, they hear it, they see one or two, and they just, they walk off. They get off the range. Like, I'm, I can't watch this. I'm like, what's the problem? Nobody to the right of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, what, what's up? Well, for me, it's, I'm a lefty. So, like, it's like, what? What's the problem? And they're like, uh, I can't witness this. I don't want to even see this. That's going to be in my head. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, that's those that that that, top, that shot from Brendan Todd was uh, phenomenal. Uh, and Lee Westwood got to give him props. Now, that's two straight second place finishes. Uh, he took down the big kid in Bryson DeChambeau. Um, but that's two second places. He made two point six mil over the last two tournaments. Of course, JT won two point seven for the the players. But Westwood. Playing with his fiance on the bag. Um, does does your wife share in caddy? Yeah, every now and then she's caddy for me. Yeah. Really? And how does yeah. how does that work out? Is that a good experience? Well, she 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 dropped the bag on me twice. Oh, and and yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> Literally, yeah, I was I was playing the Buick one year in Flint and uh, front nine. I was not having a good attitude, and she says, "You keep it up." So I'm I'm going. I went okay, fine. Well. I get to the 11th tee and my bag is on the tee, but there's no Sharon. Any idea where Sharon went? She said, they go, she said she was going to leave. She left. And I went, are you kidding me? So I got, I got a kid out of the gallery. He caddied the last eight holes. And, and uh, when I got home, it really wasn't a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was feeling bad. She's the one still yelling at me. says, you've got such a bad attitude. Oh she my that up. gosh! So, she was still, she was still ticked off. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. You said that was this. Uh, you said that was. She's we, dropped the bag twice on you. Yeah, there was another tournament she did it too, but that was later in the round. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is. Everybody hysterical. thinks I'm having a good time out there. I'm, I'm a little stressed, you know. That is hysterical. <laughs> my God. So a kid, that kid, it's it's the experience of a lifetime for the kid, right? I mean, everybody dreams of it. Oh, yeah. I've I've told you before, I'd I'd caddy for you in a heartbeat. I'm gonna tell the story right now. I'm gonna tell the story. This is not the one that where you got pissed at me, but so for those listening, you know, Fred is from back here in Maryland and I'm covering the Kemper Open, of which my mother put in the phone lines for the tournament each year. Um, and she would come home after, uh, you know, setting the phone lines in. And one day she said, I saw the most beautiful man. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? She says, I'm over at, uh, at Avenel and I'm putting the phone lines in. And I saw this guy with long blonde hair and he just said hello to me. And I'm like, so? And she said he was Australian and it was the shark that she saw and she was all mesmerized. Um, I'm like, well, that's great, mom. Uh, get a life. Uh, so here's the deal. So uh, for TV, I'm working at the Fox affiliate, and for TV, I have asked Fred if I can caddy for him in the program. At which point, Fred says that'd be fun. You know, we'll mic us each up, and his his caddy at the time, Mark Long, uh, you know, gave me the bag, and I pick it up on the first hole, and it's immediate to me that this bag is way heavier than I ever thought it would be. And so we're going through the holes and I'm trying to be, you know, keep up. And I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not giving Fred, I'm not giving you any yardages, but you know, you asked me what I think. And I, you know, I, you know, I thought I was a, you know, I'm a, I'm a golf addict. And about the sixth hole, uh, you, you and your caddy are just over there chuckling. And I'm like, what the hell is so funny? And Mark comes over and he tips the bag over and there's just, I mean, more things in that bag that should not have been in there, like bricks. It was like 30 pounds heavier than it should have been. And I'm over there just like, oh, my God. 
I was misaligned <laughs> in my shoulder for about two weeks. Thanks a lot. Uh, no problem. <laughs> Mike. It may happen again, so watch me. You never know. Yeah, well, believe me. And I, and I, at least I, I know what the bags, uh, what they weigh now. Um, I had a funny moment. I just You reminded me of a story. It wasn't Mark catting for me, but I'm in Hawaii. I'm playing the Sony Open. And 18, everybody can reach, even me. But I hit my drive a little too far right. It's a 90-degree dog leg, so I couldn't quite reach the green. I'm about 20, 25 yards short of the green, and the pin's in the back of the green. And I go to my caddy, who is Robert, and I go, Robert, how far we got? He goes, what? So how far we got? He goes, it's right F in there. <laughs> and I go, I, okay, good point. You're fired. <laughs> I didn't fire him, but it was hilarious. He just goes, it's right there. What do you mean a yardage? I went, okay, I understand. What is the, so, I mean, there are, obviously we've seen uh, caddy and, and golfer combinations that work really well together. Some don't last very long. What is the key uh and don't say the three S's. What's the key uh, to having a really good caddy? You know, you really got to get along uh, just in general. Your personality's got to match, I believe. And you got to have a guy that you uh, enjoy being around. And then when the pressure's on, that uh, he's not panicking the same time you're panicking. Mm. And he's doing his job and trying to keep you down. And, you know, one great thing Mark said, and he would be a great guest on this show, we, by the way. We can do that. Um, we'll definitely get him on. Uh, but he said if he could play or a player could play the way the caddy thinks, mm-hmm. it, it would be the ultimate sports psychologist. Because all Mark says, he says, the only thing I'm trying to do, no matter whether you hit a great shot or a pitiful shot, is the next shot. Right. So if I'm at a position, he says, I'm trying to think the best and most efficient and safe way to get you back into play and or set up birdies or whatever. But he's only thinking of not what you did is what that shot in hand and not even the shot ahead, unless it's to set up the shot ahead. Right. Right. So it's a great psyche that you really need to have. And and that's what made Mark, I think the best caddy in the business. Um, Um, There's a lot. I I had Fanny for a year. Oh, really? She was phenomenal. Uh, I've had a lot of great caddies, but uh, Mark was pretty special, and um, he's still very special. He does the artist books now that are on the tour, and they're like the uh, the Bible to all the players. It's, it's they they use it. If even if we were allowed to use lasers, right, we never would. You got them right there. There yeah. you go. I got I got all the uh, the caddy books. Um, I'm a, like I said, a golf addict. I actually, I actually make my own caddy book for uh, my club, Manor Country Club. I make my own uh, uh, green sheet uh, as far as the putts go, which way they go. People like, you know, some guys, our mutual friends, look at me and go, what are you doing? And, and all of a sudden, you know, as the, I've been there a couple of years, now all of a sudden we'll be on a green and, you know, somebody walk over and go, what's your book say on this putt? I go, oh, so now you want to know. Oh, okay. Yeah, now yeah. you want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you yeah, know, Mark- what's amazing with that technology is that I, I think there it's – you know, it greens with a lot of slope on them. Yeah. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. But when you have a putt that's really flat and you really can't tell whether it goes left or right, and you can look in that book and it might have a little arrow. Right. And it just says it goes left. And you go, okay, now I know a tendency is a left. Or if you're in the mountains and you're trying to figure out mm. what mountain it breaks off of. Right. Because you get a lot of optical illusions when you're in the mountains. So those, uh, I don't think those books should really be legal. Really? Because they give you they give you so much info. Really? Uh, yeah, I really I think they crossed the line with that allowing that to be 
legal, but that's okay, I guess. So what's what's the alternative to have what? You figure it out yourself, like mm. the old days. Mm-hmm. You, go, you go out there, and, and it's there's an art to read, reading greens. Right. There's, there's people that know how to read greens better than others, and the guys that don't can try to figure it out a little better. But it is, it is definitely an old part of the game, especially on the PGA Tour, of reading putts. And I think the book gives you a little too much information that uh, kind of you lose that that instinctive art to reading greens yeah it's a that's an interesting uh way to look at it also i mean it's there's no question it slows down play um uh and uh, it slows down play for for pros a little bit um if you watch well, they're being so detailed they're using the line on the ball yeah they're taking forever to get the line on the ball down i can't do that <laughs> because i can't bend down far enough to do the day so <laughs> i haven't bent down to line up a putt and 10 years. What do you, <laughs> but, uh, I just stand there and look at it. Okay. It's over there somewhere. Right. And then, and then they, you know, they're reading the book and they're putting the line down and, you know, DeChambeau holds the putter up and line it up with the, yeah, I can't figure that one out. Make, it's so it's, it, it does slow the game down. It, it's a problem, I think. Yeah. And for us amateurs, it definitely, I've, I've watched it. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? What do you, what, stop it. Just stop it. You know, <laughs> you're not that good a putter to begin with. <laughs> Just put it in the general direction. It's going to get near the hole. Um, so we're waiting on uh, Steve Sands from uh, NBC. He'll be joining us shortly here. Uh, yeah, that's. And I think what we'll do for this show, at least maybe not this one, but uh, future shows, maybe like we'll do uh, a Fred tip to to the amateur. You know, something. You know, cause, I mean, I think any 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 amateur that's playing golf would give their left uh, heel. Not the normal expression um, to uh, to drive the ball like uh, you did, uh, which the accuracy was insane. Um, not the longest guy, but the straightest. I mean, you were straight. Uh, there was a fourteen year span where you were number one in accuracy seven times. So half the time you're there, and you're always in the top five. Um, I think amateurs would would die for that kind of just to be close. I play, and I. I find five, six fairways max. That's that's all mm-hmm. you know. It's my short game is now what has to happen in order for me to be successful and score even score at all. Um, but what do you what, for? Well, let's do one here. What, for for an amateur, what's the biggest key to just hitting the drive that's in play? Well, I grew up. I was self-taught pretty much. I, I read this book, The One Move to Better Golf by Carl Orm, who's another former Maryland player. Really? And, yeah. And uh, he had this whole idea of trying to have the club path going down the target line as long as possible and using the core of your body or the, or the trunk of your body to dictate your golf swing, not your arms and your hands. Mm-hmm. And ba- basically what I used to uh, – learn how to play. And I learned at the university of Maryland course and I just always hit it straight because I had my path going down the line. I never curved the ball much. I wasn't much of a drawer or a fader. It was my misses were pulls and pushes more than anything else. So um, I I just had always been straight, but I doing that method, I never really learned lag. So I never had much lag in my swing. So I never had a lot of speed. Right. And I, you know, I tried short and crooked. That didn't work. So I knew I had to <laughs> if I'm short. I better be straight. And, um, and I did, I made a good living just playing ball control golf 
it, it worked out, but I, I was at a disadvantage. I was, when I was hitting the ball really solid, I was long enough. I think I averaged, you know, in the round 272 a couple times. Right. That's counting roll and everything. I could probably fly the ball in my heyday 260 and then whatever I got out of it. Right. And I wish I could get 260 now, but, uh, but I can't. You That's because you're, you're the bionic man. You got more joints and stuff going on with you. Yeah, they're they're not working. <laughs> <laughs> they rusted. I don't know what happened. I'm, I I always threaten uh, Bernhard. I'm going to throw Bernhard in the ocean and see him rust. <laughs> <laughs> that's a guy. That's that's a that he's he's a he's a walking machine. We'll we'll get him on the show because he's very entertaining. He very entertaining great personality. Uh, we're really really good friends, and uh, he has a fascinating background. And I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for the consistency he's done. He's a year younger than me. And there's no question, if you look at his record, he's the most consistent player I think has ever played the game. Right. And for the longevity especially. Yeah. All through his 40s and and 50s and now 60s, he's still playing at a super high level. It's phenomenal. And, you know, when I worked in Augusta, Georgia, uh, he was one of my three champions. I had Couples, Longer, and Olafabel um, when I was down there. And so Longer, you know, comes off as this very, you know, strict and straight German. And uh, so he wins the tournament. I spend five minutes in Butler Cabin with him. It's a nice interview. And I'm going to go the next year because he's now the defending champ. Uh, in 92, he's the defending champ. Um, so I go down to the players to, which was generally in March and I would get my preview material and I lined up a sit down with him right in the old clubhouse at, at uh, Ponte Vedra. And one of the questions I asked, I said, you know, you just, I said, do you joke at all? I mean, he's like, it's like, you don't look like you find, you, you find really good shots pleasing, but other than that, we really can't tell. And, uh, he just basically said sort of the same thing that Roger Stahlbeck said uh, many years ago, which was, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm as fun as the next guy. Like, I like to have sex. It's just as one woman. Um, you know, and, and I just was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but the way he said it in that accent, you know, I was like, oh, okay. He just got me. Yeah, uh, I can't wait yeah, to talk okay. to him. I can't wait to talk to I him. Got, he's, I he's got cool. a, a quick little story. Um, yeah. I'm playing with him and David Frost were in the final group at the uh, senior event in San Antonio back when we had it. And it's final round, and we're walking off the sixth hole, and I go to Bernhard. He's about five feet left of me, and I go, hey, Bernhard, I know what you're thinking. And he didn't answer, and I said, Bernhard, do you hear me? I know what you're thinking. He's just shaking his head. What am I thinking? I go, you're thinking you have no chance of winning. I will beat you with my ball striking, my putting, my mind. You have no chance of winning. And he's just shaking his head. I go, I'm right, aren't I? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then he came up to me and he goes, why would you say that in the middle of a tournament? And I go, I don't know. If it comes out, I say it. If I think about it, I can't help absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you, got a bunch of, you got a bunch of characters. I mean, you've had, there's been a bunch of characters on the tour for a long time. Um, you know, from, from Peter Jacobson to even John Daly, who you just, you, all that talent wrapped in that not a great physique. But my oh, gosh, uh, see him hit a ball is to this day is still like holy crap. Yeah, it's amazing. He's he's and also his putting and his chipping. He has great hands. Right, could have been 
one of the best players of all time. I think if he just uh, behaved himself a little more with his drinking, you know, he, he has an, a, I use it an addictive personality. Yeah. Um, he, he's just buys into everything that he, or anything he'll buy into, he goes full bore into it. And whether it's, uh, you know, practicing golf and, and getting ready for that, that's great. But then off the golf course, you know, it, it, he had a chocolate addiction. He had an alcohol yeah. addiction. He, he had um, uh, other addictions yes. that, you know, just just problems that really hamper his career. But uh, the guy has a huge heart. He Unbelievable. He'll give you the last shirt in his drawer. Really? Well, it, off it, his back. It'll fit you. He, yeah. Twice over night shirt for a lot of people, <laughs> but, but, uh, um, but he's, he's a great guy and, uh, really like John. He just has a talking about a guy with no filter. Cor- yeah. Yeah. Oh, believe yeah, me. I know. Um, yeah, he, but he is a character. We had fuzzy. Fuzzy was awesome. Lee Trevino. Yeah. And, and really the, the champions tour was born to give the opportunity for people like Trevino and, and Arnie and Jack and uh, Chi-Chi and guys like that to be out there on the golf course and be seen. It was an exhibition tour. And then it rolled into being a competitive tour because, guys, that's what they do. We compete. Right. So they started the tour uh, as an exhibition tour playing 63, 64, 500-yard courses. And the guys that couldn't hit it anywhere were still killing the guys with, with their wedges and their putter. So guys like Jack and those guys, we need Jack back a little bit. Hey, Irwin, who could still play really good um, and dominated the tour with 45 wins uh, on a champions tour alone. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they kept Jack and the courses back and made it more and more of a competitive. And, and now we average just under 7,200 yards. Really? Yeah. We, we average, I think about just under 7,100 yards okay. for the year. Holy and uh, so basically, we, like we played uh, Hawaii's at 72, Tucson, we played at almost 73. Uh, when we played Caves Valley, we played Caves Valley at 7,300 plus. That's a long course. That is a long, yeah. long course from yeah. there. So we still have guys like Retief and Darren Clark hitting at 310 in the air. Right. I mean, they're hitting a long Really? Way. Yeah. They're really a long way. How, uh, do I, how, do I, how do I get extra distance for God's sakes? My Lord. Well, I've been asking that my whole life. <laughs> Not about you, about me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my game is uh, whatever. Um, we're still waiting on Steve Sands. This would be funny if Sands forgot, by the way, because then I'll just we'll just ride him like a pony at this point. Um, well, you, you know, he, <laughs> he, is, back, he is from Maryland. He went to Woodward, uh, which is the same uh, high school as the owner of the Washington football team, Dan Snyder, by the way. I'm not sure what that says. Um so, well, I, well, but he, but he went to Colorado state. He wasn't a terp terp. So, um, so what, that's where I am right now. Yes. You're in, I'm you're right in Colorado state right now. How yeah. much snow is on the ground right now? Two feet, two feet. So you're yeah. basically three feet tall when you stand in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm short. Dwarf on golf. That's yeah. me. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I picked this sport because it's the only sport I play above the rim. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) Ridiculous. Uh, So folks, uh, and did you, you, I think I asked you this before, um, did you get tired of hearing former Maryland golf coach? No. Okay, good. No, I never did. No. No, Um, I 
I love Maryland. That's my pride. I grew up to be, I grew up in College Park. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was born in Tacoma Park. Never remembered that. I was too young. We moved to Langley Park. And then I, at seven years old, we moved to College Park. So I was raised in a park. <laughs> <laughs> so raised in Langley Park, here's a really, really local question, which, and I still go there for the best That's, cold cut sub in America. Oh, Tony Zilla. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I went there when I was really young and then about 15 years ago and it been, had to be 20, 25 years. I'm driving through Langley park and I see the sign. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's still there. And I'm still like, there. I made a U-turn on New Hampshire Avenue, got in there. I walked in and there is the guy that was there as a youngster who owns the place. I'm like, you still own mm-hmm. this? He goes, Oh yeah. I goes, any recipes change? He goes, Oh no. I said, I'll take a cold cut. Double uh, a large cold cut, blah blah blah, and it was oh, it was so good. So back good. in the day, we were raised, you know, working the driving range at, at University of Maryland at Lido's Pizza. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Lido's was the, and then they franchised out. Yeah, I think the original Lido's is is not even there anymore. No, and that place was famous for hosting. Uh, you know, that's where Lefty would take his teams. Morgan Wooten would take Dematha. Um, and yeah. anybody in the NBA or major colleges would come through there and have their meals. Um, famous conversations. There should be a book about Lido's about in the back room. Um, yeah. I went back there with Lefty one time just to do a piece, and it was you know everybody knew his name. It's like freaking Cheers and Norm. Um, <laughs> That's no, true. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. So no word. For, I texted Sands. This is great. It couldn't be a time difference thing because he's on the East Coast too. I told him it was going to be eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Um, we'll go throughout this year. We're going to talk about rule changes and and all kinds of different stuff with you because uh, I have because I don't because I'm an amateur. I think the dumbest rule in golf is the ball in in a freaking divot in the fairway. I don't understand as many. Th- things is they give you options better options if there's a sprinkler head in your way you can move it a club length blah, blah, blah. the fact that you could hit a perfect drive and i'm sure this has happened to you you know oh yeah because oh, as, exactly. as many fairways as you hit um that this ball lands and it happened to to lead last week at bay hill uh famously happened to Payne stewart in the open you know you hit a crisp drive you pick up your tee you're like yes and then TV shows it rolling in the last roll into a divot and stuck, and now you got to hit a sand shot from one fifty-five. I don't. I mean, what what side of the rule are you on? Uh, I'm on the to keep it the way it is. Really? Uh, although it is a pain. Uh, actually, Lee Westwood hit it in a divot at Bay Hill on that last, yeah, and he couldn't go for the flag, so he had to aim out to the left. Correct. And and, and, and a drive down the middle. Yeah, right. It was dead down the middle. The the problem with me with that rule, or not with the rule, but if you change the rule, um, you're going to have a big gray area, right? I think, where guys are going to, I'm, I'm in the divot. Well, no, you're not. You're not quite in the divot. Well, it's touching the divot. Right. No, it's not. And and so, right. It, it is a, I think a problem there. But what makes it hard is when they fill the divots in. Then it is a mini bunker. Right. Right. It, I'd rather hit it out of a divot, and it's just the dirt. Right. And we know we know how to hit it out of a divot most of the times. Now you get a situation where Lee got Westwood got really screwed on that deal because 
with that green, that design with the lake, there's no way he's going to go for that pin, even in that situation. No question. That yeah. So that in that situation, I can see where that rule can and maybe should be changed. Uh-huh. But if you want to slow down the game a little bit, or you want to have guys that are going to try to take advantage of the rules a little bit, that's going to be um, a, a gray area there. We've, we've seen some guys take advantage of the rules, uh, you know, in, in recent years and through the miracle of uh, television, yeah. <laughs> through the miracle, yeah. of t- miracle of television one, and one Twitter. Particular guy. Huh? <laughs> one particular guy. Hey, don't read but, anything into that. Um, <laughs> I got a great story on uh, the Sevy story that it, I, I'm sure you've heard it, but Sevy was always known to try to intimidate the officials and get away with, different drops. He was always, can I get a drop here? So he's playing with Tony Johnstone who played from South Africa and they're playing in this tournament. It was a blind tee shot and they walk over the hill and Tony walks up to the ball and is sitting by a sprinkler head and he goes, Hey, Sevy, I get a drop. Sevy looks, no. He says, how about now? No. He says, good. It's your ball. (laughs) (laughs) Sevy had nowhere to go. That is so good. That is so good. Tony became a hero on the tour when he did that one. That is freaking <laughs> hysterical. That should happen more on the on the current tour um, because we've seen some guys, you know, ask bring in third officials. I mean, come on, Bryson was guilty of that for sure. He's did mm-hmm. it a couple of times, oh, and, yeah. and I don't know what you know what Patrick Reed was doing, what what rule book he was playing from. But I mean, talk about uh, the him, Patrick Reed rule book. Yeah, that is. He has uh, his own. Yeah, he has his own. I don't. Yeah, it's a little little. Uh, the one with the the bunker in Tiger's event. Yeah, yeah that was that was clearly clearly what we exactly what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, no way he didn't know what he was doing. That's for sure. And yeah, that was that was crazy. You know the the another rule where he, I think we should be able to use lasers. Use what lasers? Uh, lasers because it's a you're not gaining an advantage, right? You know, if everybody can use them, everybody can use them. But where it would really come in handy on the on the tour that year, a couple of years ago when Bryson hit it way out of play and he walked all the way up, not out of play, but out of position. Right. And he walked 120 yards and, and then walked all the way back. And the caddy's trying to get a yardage over here. Right. Well, the yardage book gives you a lot of information, but that particular one, all you really want is a distance, a yeah. raw number. Right. Zap it with a laser. There's no walking needed. There's no, you just say, okay, I got it. Yeah. Then you look at your pin sheet. you really, Realize how much you got short of the pin and right of the pin or whatever. But you, you, all you really wanted there was just a raw A to B number. Right. But and, then, and that's what the laser gives you. But then you're going to have to police uh, those who have slopes on their lasers. because Well, know. I don't even care about that. I mean, okay, I, I really? saw that where okay. – Yeah. That's, you're just getting, everybody would have it. What's the big deal? Well, I, I'm with so, you on that. Yeah, and all, if they really want to speed the game up a little bit, uh, I don't think anything would speed up the tour player. We're probably talking five to ten minutes. We're not going to gain an hour. Four round, right. We're going to change some rule or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, to me, slow play is every now and then it gets a little ridiculous, but you're talking 15, 20 minutes versus where people say, well, we can play in three and a half hours, not for the money they're playing for. Correct. And the way they're grinding. Uh, it's, a, it's a different mindset out there, a different game. But the problem is the people in the public see that and they mimic like what Jack Jack was probably the first guy that really brought slow play into into the right, fold. Right. <laughs> they do. And, and it's a it's a lot of mimicking. I mean, it's ridiculous what the amateurs 
even like uh, so, you know, DJ Dustin Johnson took to you know grabbing his his, his right arm right before he putts, right, just making sure his alignment. Yeah. And within three weeks, I'm on the freaking. I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, and they're doing this. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you cold? What's what's the issue? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I'm you know I'm just kind of line myself up. You have no idea what you're doing right now. You saw DJ do it, and you're doing right. this crap. Stop it. Didn't make any sense to yeah. me, but there is a lot of mimicking that goes on. Sure. Yeah, it really does. It's it's crazy. Where's Steve? That's a good point. Uh, I've texted him. Are you alive? So this is interesting. So I think Sands is uh, going to be a no-show for show number one, which is interesting. Uh, you know, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, you know. Well, I think if we go back to the uh, the players and, yeah. um, and really with this, just how great a tournament that was. And, with and fans it, back it, there, know, too. Get, they keep talking about making it a major, which for me, that'd be fine. Um, yeah, I'd love to have a, an actual major that would be there and would count as one. But um, I think they're doing everything they can. The tour has done everything they can to put it in a position to be looked upon as a as a major. Because when they moved the PGA, when the players moved to May, and then the PGA wanted to get out of the August date, the tour went absolutely. We'll go back to March. We'll take that. That'll we'll start the major season, and then they have a the players in, in March and the Masters in April yeah. and on and on, one every month. And it just positions everybody in. And it really put the players, I think, back in where I love the May date as far as the way that you, you had great weather and everything. Right. But the course played totally different. It played firm, firmer and faster and shorter. And I think the scores were lower. It was hard to get the course in really, really perfect shape. Right. Uh, apparently this year it was in really, really good shape. That's what I heard. And usually you don't have four great days of weather like they did this year. Normally mm-hmm. you'll have a windy day or, uh, well, a lot of the windy days that time of year. And uh, it, you, you got to figure out how to deal with that on that golf course. But uh, the, the way it the way it showcased how that golf course is, a very difficult golf course, but I think it's a very fair golf course. Somebody said on PJ Tour Radio yesterday, I forget who I was listening to, and he said it's a little quirky. And I went, I'd like to talk to him and say, where's the quirkiness? Right, right. <laughs> it was designed to be, it was it was Dean Beeman's dream to create stadium golf. So that was the first stadium golf course where the fans are above the players. Yeah. So they wanted to be like an arena style, and people could actually see golf and watch the players from above as much as often as they could. And ironically, it was the first TPC built. And I think it's the best TPC. Uh, it's, it's really good. Although I think the redo at Avenel. That's really good. yeah. That's made that course really tough. Job at yeah. Although I thought Avenel wasn't that bad to start with. <laughs> it just got a bad name right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, you, you, you and Greg Norman disagreed vehemently uh, on that one. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you move from congressional to Avenel, right. It, it was hard to, go from there to that and and it was brand new well but, uh, uh, but, but anyway go ahead well i was just saying that the the players is just seems to be getting more and more attention to be a major and make it one now it would change all the record books and they actually were talking about it yesterday um and uh on golf channel and uh or golf radio you watch Again, a, you, I had you listen to do you listen, you're an addict you're an addict too but go ahead well just when i'm in the car okay <laughs> and i've been right. in the car a lot around here but uh <laughs> They were, they were just talking about um, how it would change the numbers. So you got Nicholas would gain one on right. Tiger, and uh, 
it, you have to change all the record books. Yeah, whether that's, I don't think it'd be that big a deal. And I, I was, and speaking of addicts, I think I was listening to the same damn show, um, because I think they mentioned there that Jack got his amateur titles as as they counted, um, in I forget how it was, but it's different from Tiger that his amateur titles didn't count as the same, which didn't make any sense to me. Um, well, Nicholas is eighteen or tour events; they didn't count as two amateurs. I don't think. And, okay. And, okay. And okay. I think Tiger has three amateurs. Yeah, yeah. So he would, if they did count those, they, they never counted the the uh, amateurs as majors. Okay. In, in the eighteen and the fifteen. Correct. Correct. Tiger has fifteen now, right? So yes, fifteen. I always, yeah, and I, I, oh, I was wishing so much that Tiger would have gotten to if he ever got to seventeen. Yeah. And then, and then. 18 and then 19. I mean, those three, if he ever got to 17, not that he doesn't get a lot of attention anyway, but <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I was so proud of Tiger when he came back from that first comeback. Mm-hmm. I hope, I hope he can come back from what he's dealing with right now. It's going to be really tough. Um, yeah. But if anybody can do it, it's that guy. Yeah. Have, have you, have you had, it's gone dark. Nobody knows. Have you had any com- uh, communication with no. him at all? No. No, nobody seemed, and even in the interview with uh, Justin Thomas, he didn't let on to how yeah. Tiger's really doing. Although yeah. I love the fact that Tiger's reaching out to all these guys. I think that's unbelievable that he's really turned into, or coming from, he had that really tight inner circle, and he really, yeah. if you weren't in that inner circle, you weren't in at all. Right. You, you, and he didn't really reach out to people. Now he's reaching out, and he's being a mentor to a lot of these young guys and, and uh, congratulating him and talking to him. And he seems to be having so much more fun on the golf course and, uh, and still was playing at a great level. There's, yeah. there's only one tiger and there's never going to be another tiger. I don't believe the way the game is now that that can even happen. Yeah. Um, mainly because of driving the, the aspect of driving a golf ball has been equalized. Everybody hits it long out there. You got mm-hmm. the easiest club in the bag to hit now as a driver. Yeah, yeah. And they all fly. They all fly at three hundred yards. Yeah. You know, so they—that's the thing that aggravates me when they they talk about Lee Westwood not being very long. Ah. He has he has one hundred and seventy one seventy two ball speed. That's plenty long enough to beat every golf course and play every golf course that's on the planet. Uh, it's plenty long enough. If you're 180, that's extreme. So that's Justin Thomas and McElroy and then DeChambeau can get it to 190. Uh, that's crazy. But um, it, it it's just plenty long to play at 170. Even 165 sure. is you're kind of losing a little bit of ground there. But 171, 72, 175, I think, is like the perfect. You, you don't have to worry about as much dispersion. Mm-hmm. You can still miss it a little bit and be in the fairway and be in play. And um, and yet you still have the length to uh, take on all the par fives and any long long holes. And what's your what was your average speed? <laughs> uh, slow. <laughs> my uh, my golf the fastest I ever got it was about one fifty seven. Okay. And right now with my back, uh, I'm in the high one forties right now. I've lost a, quite a bit. Yeah. I was never long. I probably most of my career I was about one fifty three to four, and that was pretty short. I could fly it. 255 mm-hmm. to 60 maybe right in altitude right. on a mountain 
or downhill frozen lake. It would roll a long way. <laughs> you, uh, we talked about mimicking and the amateurs doing that. I mean, are you surprised that Rory McIlroy came out and said, yeah, I'm, I've suffered because I, I saw what Bryson was doing and I thought, you know, look what he did at the Open. This is the wave of the future. And he went out and tried to get some extra yards and got a flatter swing. And it's not, it wasn't Rory-like. You surprised that he admitted it or, you, or, or not? I'm not surprised he admitted it because he gives great interviews. He, he opens True. up all the time. But I'm surprised he even tried. He was the best driver on the planet for length and accuracy. Yeah. And, and why, why change that stat? He, was, he beat everybody's strokes gained off the tee almost every week. And if he was really on his driver game, he blew everybody out of the water um, with his with driving the game with driving the golf ball. And back in the day, uh, Nicholas separated himself from the rest of the tour because he was such he was really long. If he had today's equipment, he would be the, the DeChambeau. And then uh, Greg Norman came along, and he was the best driver. They say to this day, I think uh, Sergio and David Duvall were top three I've ever seen. You throw Norman for ac- accuracy and length. Um, those three guys were, were unbelievable. Uh, David Duvall was ridiculous how good he drove a golf ball. And, uh, and still does when he goes out there and plays. He, he kills it. Um, and still really straight. But uh, it's hard to get that separation now because everybody's pretty long. So for Rory to go and chase what Bryson's doing, yeah, I, I, that doesn't make sense. That's like when uh, Tiger left uh, Butch. Or, uh, no, um, uh, Haney. He left Haney and went to whoever he went to. And they're trying to mimic his put- – so he says, well, now I want to look at your putter. Was it Chris Cuomo? And if I was Tiger – Cuomo. No, Cuomo. It wasn't Cuomo. It was no. the guy after that. Yeah. Uh, or before him. Anyway, right, he says, I, I want- it might have been Cuomo. And he says, well, I want-, I want to check out your putter. If I was Tiger, I'd say, you can look at everything. You're not touching my putter. You're not touching my – mechanics nothing right because he was the best best on the planet there's nobody putted better than than tiger in competition and um probably the best par putter in the history of the game phenomenal when you had when you had to have it used to make bogeys he hated bogeys (laughs) nobody likes bogeys but he'd have a 30 footer for bogey he'd make it more than he'd make a lot of his 30 footers for birdies (laughs) right he just he he's like curtis strange he hated the ball in the hole <laughs> Hated the ball in the hole. I love that term. That's nice. Oh my gosh. Um and you mentioned it uh, and I've said it on record. I mean, Tiger 1.0, great golfer, not the greatest guy for for us uh, in the media and certainly some some guys on the tour. Tiger 2.0 as you just alluded to. Just a he just he approaches the game, he's getting more out of the game, uh quality of life to it um is just you can tell it's very different the laughing the joking uh not just the jabs um from him and uh so we don't know what's going to happen i you know i hope i've said it i hope quality of life returns to him we know we had alex smith up here with the washington football team who spent two years right and the sports the sport got him back to a quality of life and he returned to the game which is insane to do it uh to play football um golf Obviously, not as uh, strenuous on the body, but for what you have to do and a, a right ankle that's been destroyed and, a, and, and you know, compound fractures in the leg, that's going to be something different um, as far as Tiger goes. We all are selfish. We want him to come back and play. But obviously, the most important thing is that he can get up and get out of bed and, and go watch his kids do what they do. 
Yeah, and you know nobody mentions his back either because right. he rolled in that car two or three times. There's, there's something had to aggravate that back as well. You just yeah, you would think. I hope not, but yeah, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff to deal with, but he seems everybody says he has this great attitude and he's still reaching out to all the guys, so that's fantastic. Yep, I mean, there's talk of him, you know, showing up for the Ryder Cup and all that, which would be phenomenal. I just, you know, fans want to see him. Um, all right, so Steve Sands officially sucks in show one uh, because he didn't show up. So he's going to come up with some lame excuse, I'm sure, that says uh, you gave me a wrong time. But I just checked the email. It's not a wrong time. Um, we're we're going to get out of here uh, and uh, get ready for next week. Honda Classic next week. Uh, we should get into handicapping at some point, but I don't. I, I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm still you know buzzing off of the players and what took place there and the fact that JT's drive on 18 stayed in is – to me, oh, it's still the most shocking. Unbelievable! Thing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that off the when you saw that ball take off and it was it looked like it was duck hooking almost. Yeah, and then it hit that mound and didn't keep going left, and it, it was amazing. Um, yeah, and the Hondas, I think that's a harder golf course than the players. Really? <laughs> it's it's really a difficult golf course, I think, and I think the um, the bear trap, which is 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. the two par threes are right on the edge of unfair the only reason they're not the reason they're not unfair is because everybody has to play them (laughs) so they're playing the same thing but they're so they're so difficult there's no target to hit into and then there's no bailout either if you bail out on either hole you're really in trouble in those bunkers that are left on both those holes so uh really really hard hard golf course it's usually windier than hell and then the the uh Every hole is just just difficult. Mm-hmm. So they got a good home there because they've been moving that tournament around for a long time, and they found a, a really solid golf course for a long time. I don't know how long they've been at a, at a uh, what's a uh, PGA National. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you got to help me when I do that. Well, I'm trying. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> almost as old as you are. So really, I got yeah. nothing for you. I'm thinking about ice cream right now. I'm like, what am I going to get for ice cream? Oh, Fred's still talking. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, we'll, we'll implement some stuff, uh, a tip from you. We'll try to handicap the next tournament. Um, I think next week, don't tell me now, but I want, I want to hear uh, the worst shot you ever hit in competition. So think about that, um, and, uh, we'll, and we'll go from there. And who knows what next, next week will bring. I, I mean, should we bring Sands back for next week? or what? I don't know. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we got to give him a mulligan. All right, we'll try. We'll, we'll, He's too good. Yeah. All right, we'll get we'll we'll give Sands a second chance. Although I owe him one apparently, and we'll get into that story as well. Son of a. Anyway, um, <laughs> anything else you want to tell the fans? Uh, no, it's, I just think it was a great first show, and hopefully everybody just uh, liked the show and feel like we have a good direction to go. I think we'll be a really good team and make it fun to hear us. And and I don't know, if we do call-ins any ever? No, because we're not live. Uh, not live. Okay, yeah. good point. Fred's That's just really Fred's just point. learning the whole podcast game right now. But yeah, although we could do it, um, there's a way to do it. You know, if you announce that you're going to be, and but then it's then it's about inviting people in. Sometimes I did it on Twitter. I did a live thing on Twitter, and I just shared the link uh, for a Zoom call. 
that was a mistake. I clicked on, and about 90 people showed up, and then all the foul words you could ever think of saying, they said, or at least some did, and I'm like trying to get, I'm trying to push the button, like, where's the exit? And the guys are like, don't, don't go. I'm like, no, I got to go. It was, it was hysterical. Oh, geez. Thank God yeah, I didn't record it. That would be it. tough. Uh, this will be fun. I'm going to be in Biloxi, Mississippi next week. We're doing a little two-day pro-am on Wednesday and Thursday, and I get there on Tuesday, so we'll we'll do our filming and We'll see how the Honda wraps up, and we'll talk about that. What's after Honda? What's after right. Honda? Well, you, now you put me on the spot here. I'm looking for the schedule, and I can't find it. It could, could be Mexico. Uh, could. Let's check real quick on the schedule. Just as, da, da, da. And we're trying. Fred has put me on the spot, and I have absolutely no clue. I've forgotten completely. Right, we, uh, probably not that important yet. but No, that's all right. Why is somebody calling me from Berwyn Heights? I don't get calls from Berwyn Heights, Maryland. What the hell is that? Um, huh. I That's my neck it. of the woods. Yeah. That's on my side of town. That's your side of town. <laughs> high point high. Yeah. We used to threaten my, my oldest. All three of my kids went to good council. Very fortunate to go to, to that nice education there. Um, and But when my oldest was acting up in middle school, we just said, hey, you don't have to go to good council. We, we can send you to the public school in our area. And he was like, which school is that? And we said, High point. And his response was, I, I think that they give the smart kids their bodyguards. <laughs> I, was like, I don't think that's true, Sonny. I think they do. They have metal detectors, and they give the smart kids bodyguards. I mean, I don't think it's that bad. But don't think you won't go there if you don't start to straighten up a little bit. Um, that's great. All right, that's Terps on the T with Fred Funk, The Beak. I'm Chick Hernandez. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, after the Honda Classic. Perhaps Steve Sands will join us, or perhaps I will send someone to maim him. I'm not sure. I'll figure it out. Uh, thanks for listening. Freddie, good to see you, and uh, we'll chat next week. Thanks, Chick. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.